The real question is, how do you get to a billion dollar valuation in five years? Well, you need to have $100 million in annual recurring revenue. Even as a pre-seed company, we already have an average contract value of $100,000, which means we need 1,000 customers in five years, which may sound like a lot, but based on our background in enterprise software, it feels highly achievable. Welcome to How to Raise a Round, Carta's podcast about one of the most challenging elements of every startup founder's journey, raising money. Each episode, we sit down with new and veteran founders to hear the stories behind their funding rounds and learn about the challenges, advice, and unexpected lessons they learned along the way. I'm Josh Durst-Wiseman, manager of branded content at Carta and host of How to Raise a Round. Our guest this week is Theo Miller, CEO and founder of Hit Start Media, a media production startup that creates strategic first-party podcast content. And in fact, Hit Start produces several of our shows here at Carta, including the one you're listening to right now. In April of 2021, Theo raised Hit Start's $600,000 pre-seed round, which was led by Manu Kumar, one of the most renowned investors in Silicon Valley. But as the founder of an early-stage media startup in a sea of software investors, how did he manage to pull this off? As it turns out, Theo was able to use his experience as a writer and performer to tell his investors a compelling story. In this episode, we'll see how Theo's fundraising process deviates from more traditional tech founders because of his training as a writer and actor. We'll talk about the factors that make an investor want to invest emotionally, how to assemble a compatible starting team, and why letting your instincts guide your interactions with investors could be the key to a successful round. My name is Theo Miller. I'm the founder of Hit Start Media. Founding a company wasn't something that Theo had really ever been dreaming about. In fact, before breaking into tech, he was working toward becoming a playwright. I never set out to be a founder. I went to school for theater. I have a background in writing and performing. I spent my 20s doing black box theater and doing independent film. Coming from a creative background, Theo is certainly a non-traditional founder in the tech industry, but even when he was studying theater at a conservatory in Seattle, he wasn't following the conventional path for creators either. I was never a traditional creative. I was never someone who was like, oh, I am going to be a screenwriter or, oh, I'm going to be a songwriter. I very much have a facility with language and a lot of drive, and I really love collaborating with people. And so that led me into all sorts of different areas that were creatively rewarding, but they weren't financially sustainable. When Theo graduated from the conservatory in 2007, he imagined himself following his passion for theater and writing for a living, but the 2008 recession threw his vision far off track. It was no longer an option to scrape by as a creative. He needed a stable job and fast, so he pivoted into the tech industry. I taught myself to design and code and found success as a freelance designer and then ultimately at one tech company in particular. And that one tech company was Carta. The version of Carta, or eShares as they were called back then, that Theo worked at in the early days was nothing like the $7.4 billion company that it is today. In fact, when Theo was hired in 2013, he was one of only five employees. I started out in 2013 doing designing and coding. That evolved into product management in conjunction with technical design expertise. And over time, as the company scaled, people became more 
professionalized and I didn't really see a place for myself in tech anymore because I really looked at design as a vocation. And the moment it became a career, I became disinterested. And that's why he retired to Portland, Oregon at the age of 36, to leave the tech industry behind for a while, decontextualize himself, and go back to the roots of what he truly loved to do, create, write, and work with media. I was commissioned to do a documentary podcast. And then slowly, I incubated this business on a very lax schedule. And once I started to get other clients, I realized, okay, here we got something, but never was I under the impression that it was a venture-backable business. The version of Hit Start Media that Theo tentatively started in 2020 was a casual project. He took on some work producing podcasts for connections at Carta without expecting much to come out of it. But when people started to express more and more interest in the novelty of what Theo was doing, he more seriously considered the potential of the position that he was in. The reality is that I was so fortunate to be on the rocket ship of a hypergrowth startup from the early, 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 early stage of it up until about 400 people to about mid to late stage that I knew what it would take to build a company. So in some ways, when I talk about Hit Start Media, I often say it's not a digital agency. First of all, it's a tech-enabled services company. But really what it is in my heart is it's the cross-pollination of a black box theater company with an enterprise SaaS startup. Theo quickly realized that he didn't have to give up on his creative and emotional instincts in order to make it in the tech industry. And his early experiences as a Carta employee gave him a unique opportunity to get his foot in the door as an entrepreneur and leverage the connections he had made over the years. The beauty of being an early stage employee is that you have a lot of freedom, you have a ton of leverage, and you're able to create circumstances for yourself that people who come in later who don't have the same relationship with leadership that's partially personal, not purely professional. The leverage that creates allows you to do things that in my experience, I leveraged to develop a media career out of because I would be publishing to Forbes for, I don't know, about a year and a half. And lucky for Theo, at that moment in time, people who had studied liberal arts were finally beginning to have a seat at the table in the startup community after years of exclusivity. As I came back to it on my own terms, I did a series of interviews for Forbes the website where I would speak to YC founders because YC founders, there's a certain level of bankable reputation in what they do. So I grabbed like 10 of them roughly did these transcript style interviews that set up the infrastructure to book podcast guests the following year. And I kind of was thinking I was doing that. I didn't know quite what I was doing, but I just sort of jumped into and followed my instinct. You'll see that this is a common theme for Theo following his heart and his instinct. From there, the next year, when COVID struck, me and my friend Zibby, we did a podcast called Tech Lash, and we spent the majority of the year really creating this beautiful piece of artwork. But in that also, in the back of our minds was, wow, this podcast is really fulfilling creatively. We're spending time together socially. There's so many great aspects to this. But in reality, it's also a really good pipeline to create deal flow. Working with his good friend Zibby, Theo saw an opportunity here, and as a first-time founder, he'd later find that these early-stage revenue pipelines would be a key factor in his ability to raise a pre-seed round. It's actually quite uncommon for pre-seed or seed-stage companies to already have revenue to show to investors, because they're often at the idea stage, 
the likelihood of them having any sort of traction data yet is pretty low. But Theo had already started accumulating clients and earning revenue. This meant that when he did choose to talk to investors, he already had hard data that proved Hitstart's success, putting him way ahead of the curve as far as pre-seed rounds are concerned. There were a lot of stops and starts, but ultimately the business coalesced around a few key contracts. And there was a moment in February of 2021, this year, where I realized, you know what, I have line of sight and the energy to raise around a venture right now. But before Theo made any decisions, he wanted to talk it through with Zibby. He was well aware that Zibby would look at this idea from a completely different angle than Theo would. And when launching any kind of business, a fresh perspective is invaluable. He is brilliant at relationships. He's the antithesis of me. He's capable of building a relationship with a complete stranger organically. I don't have that superpower. And so to have someone who's such an active networker fill in the other side of the puzzle is invaluable. Theo knew that if he was going to do this, his ability to assemble a compatible team would make or break the business. After being close friends with Zibby for years, Theo was aware that he and Zibby had opposing strengths and weaknesses. And when you're launching a startup, finding a team that can offer strengths different from your own is really important. The cool thing about Zibby is he cuts that process down to like no time at all because he'll hear me come up with 15 different ideas and immediately latch on to the one that I subconsciously kind of knew was the thing that we really should be focusing on. But when Theo did consult Zibby, he didn't get the response he was hoping for. When I texted Zibby, he was just straight up like, I don't see a path to what you're talking about. Because again, the multiples on a media business are not the multiples of a software company. And in this one little statement, Zibby laid down one of the most important lessons about fundraising that a startup founder can learn, to empathize with investors and really consider what's important to them. At the end of the day, an investor wants to put $1 into a company and get $100 back. When it all boils down, it's really that simple. For a software company, it makes sense that this could happen. It can be expensive to start the company in the beginning, but the more customers you collect, the more financially lucrative it is to scale. So in this kind of business, it's easy for potential investors to visualize returns in the future. But it's a different story with media companies. The product you're selling has to be made each time you sell it. So media companies are less likely to experience the exponential growth that software companies do, which means it's harder for investors to visualize the same kind of returns. When Zibby said this to Theo, a light bulb went off. If he combined the elements of a software company and a media company, he could create the scaling potential that investors are looking for. This would require him to build an entirely new kind of business, a media company that was software enabled and build for scale. It wouldn't be an easy task. It was a Friday morning and I was moving back to San Francisco from Portland. I didn't have much of a reason to move back to SF because I ultimately wanted to end up in LA. And on a whim, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to raise a round of venture capital. And the Bay Area, where Theo had grown up, was the perfect place to raise a round. Mm -hmm. 
When Theo arrived at his new apartment, he didn't waste a second. He had to figure out exactly how to frame HitStart to guarantee investor interest. If your whole business is podcasting, sure, there's scaling effects if you have a larger audience and sponsorship based, but you're not going to build a billion dollar company off of podcasts. But what had occurred is Spotify started consolidating the market in the last two years. And I started thinking about this more and more, and anywhere from 50 to $250 million, you could get acquired as a podcasting company. In 2019, Spotify acquired podcast company Gimlet Media for $200 million. Then in 2020, they acquired The Ringer for nearly the same amount. So there was clearly money to be made, but not the kind of money that gets software investors excited. Because software was Theo's network, he needed to figure out how to bridge that gap. Luckily, his timing couldn't have been better. There was a stock sale at the company that I had helped build that made all my friends flush with cash. They all suddenly had a windfall of cash. And with that windfall of cash, I was like, okay, I bet I could get enough angel investments that I could hire a small team and get out ahead of the production company that is very much dependent on revenue right now. Everything seemed to be falling into place. But before Theo reached out to the angel investors in his network, he needed to make sure that Zibby would be on board this time. So he sent Zibby some research about those acquisitions. I sent Zibby a few of these articles and he started to see where I was coming from. So then I started reaching out to a few people. But before I could even do that, Zibby had contacted everyone in our network. And every morning I was waking up with a new text that said, this person wants to invest, this person wants to invest, this person wants to invest. Theo couldn't believe his eyes. In hardly any time at all, he had access to angel investors who wanted to put money into HitStart. But having investor interest isn't the same thing as having smart investor interest. Theo wanted investors who could provide more than just money. He needed strategic advice, introductions, and business acumen. These investors would be harder to impress. He went to the drawing board with Zibby. He wanted line of sight to a billion dollars. So what I started to do is I went around to a few very heavy hitters in my network. And I went over and talked to one of my friends who was telling me like, you know what, this is a nice idea. I think you can go in this direction. I'm happy to invest in you. But if you really want to get the interest of a serious lead investor, you're going to need to do more work on what you're pitching here. Theo had never pitched to a heavy hitter investor before, but he knew that his friend was right. A lead investor would give his pre-seed round the structure that it needed, but finding a lead at this early stage would be challenging. Hopefully, though, with a good pitch deck and the revenue pipeline that Theo had been building, he'd stand a chance among the heavy hitters in Silicon Valley. I felt like I was in one of those wind tunnels and there's all this money just flying around that I couldn't quite grab. But the reality is you need a lead investor and you need someone to give your mission shape. That's what an investor really does. They're almost like the executive producer of a show. They're not the person who's working on it day to day, but they're going to give you the guidance you need to make sure you end up with the production you want. And Theo knew just the person he wanted to play the role of executive producer. I reached out to Manu Kumar. And Manu Kumar is the co-founder of Carta. He is one of the most successful investors in the Valley. In fact, K9 Ventures, Manu's pre-seed fund, had a gamut of unicorns and decacorns. Becoming a K9 company would significantly raise Hitstart's likelihood of success. And as one of Carta's first employees, Theo already had a connection with Manu. However, when he asked his friends, they weren't convinced that Manu would even be interested. 
when I talked to one of my friends, he's like, Manu's never going to invest in you. He wasn't being mean. He was basically saying he's never invested in media. He said that he will never invest in media. He doesn't invest in any company that doesn't create a new market. You're just not a fit. And on top of that, Manu didn't usually do angel investments, meaning that he would likely either lead the round or not invest at all. That didn't deter Theo, though. Manu's someone who I've known for years. I'd known him for almost seven years. Every time I talk to him, he puts a smile on my face. We have a really fun time chatting together. He's very intellectually stimulating. And as far as I'm concerned, that's reason enough to reach out to him is to be like, I'm doing this thing. What do you think I should do with it? And even if Manu did only give Theo advice, it would be incredibly valuable in and of itself. But Theo had been planning ahead for the potential opportunity to talk to Manu for a while now by accumulating guests for his own podcast who would catch Manu's attention. When I was doing the podcast with Zibi, we had canine portfolio companies on the show with the very ambitious goal of like, well, if we have enough canine companies on the show, then Manu will have to come on the show which he probably would have come on the show either way in retrospect. But the reality is that was something that I could put in the email. And Theo's efforts were not in vain because when he wrote up a message to Manu asking to meet and chat, Manu instantly accepted. With little time to prepare, Theo threw together a last minute pitch deck. A lot of people said not to show him the slide deck that I put together, maybe because it was so bad and it was so incoherent, but I thought it'd be a nice table setter. So I showed Manu the slide deck. The first half of Theo's slide deck showed off the data that had sold Zibi on Hitstart, namely the likelihood that there could be a high return on investment. The second half of my deck was, look at all the communications you could do with podcasting. It's not as expensive as doing video, but it's not as unidimensional in its value proposition as text. It's kind of like the perfect in-between. And then you can create all this downstream content out of it. You can create motion graphic video, you can create blog posts, you can create social, and then it has all these functions I've been describing where it helps you expand and strengthen business relationships. In this season of How to Raise a Round, we've seen a lot of founders meticulously plan their pitch deck, practice it over and over, and orchestrate the perfect meeting with a potential investor. But Theo did things a little differently. He knew that the secret ingredient to a successful pitch was playing to his investors' interests. And as a creative, he knew that meant telling a good story above anything else. From his experience as a writer and performer, Theo recognized that he couldn't just give Manu a rehearsed presentation and be done with it. Giving a pitch is a lot like being on stage. You can't force or manufacture moments. You have to be present with your scene partner. When giving a pitch, you have to account for your partner, in this case, your investor. He had a few questions here and there. We took down the slide deck, and then he proceeded to ask me a few hard-hitting questions. And then after he exhausted his intellectual curiosity or his diligence, he put his head into his hands and he was like, <sighs> okay, there's three things that we can do. And at that moment, I realized like, oh, this is interesting. This is not where I thought this would go. Manu gave Theo three options. He could reach out to his network and offer Theo some contacts. He could make a small angel investment in Hitstart or he could make Hitstart a canine portfolio company. What happened was, in my mind, he had entered into a very familiar territory for me, which was, this is someone who creatively is trying to get to a place where we have alignment. And again, that's my way into entrepreneurship through collaboration. And at that moment, I had a feeling everything else would work itself out. Manu offered to lead Hitstart's pre-seed round and invested 500000 in the company, given that Theo could pull together the last 100000 through his own contacts. I knew that the people who were the most successful inside my network would not be particularly interested in the investment opportunity I was presenting to them. 
because it would not have a software multiple. It could be a 10x return on their $25,000. It could get up to something that they would be excited about, but it wouldn't be a breakaway success that would be justifiable within their larger strategy of how they place their angel investments. Investing in a media company was no doubt a risk for someone who traditionally invests in software and hardware. But Theo had the ace in his pocket. He wasn't just a media company. He was a tech-enabled media company. As long as I invest spiritually in the mission of a tech-enabled enterprise services business for my podcast business, there will be resonance with the most successful people in my network who would be interested in investing in the company. Navigating this scenario would be tricky, but Theo had already done the hardest part, securing a lead investor, and a highly renowned one at that. Now all he had to do was reach out to angel investors and lock down that last 100K. Manu committed to an initial amount as a lead investor, and then he said, you can raise up to X amount of money from other angels, but I want to make sure these are strategic, like this is not a friends and family round. Manu wanted to make sure that the connections Theo made during the pre-seed would come in handy when he decided to raise his next round of funding. Originally, I just reached out to three current and former Carta executives, and they all were like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. The first investments were easy for Theo to secure because Manu's vote of confidence alone was enough to convince anyone here to buy in. The good news is from my early days at Carta, I had connections with angels who had become executives. So it wasn't hard for me to close out the round with people I was ecstatic to be in business with. With that last money in the bank and from a trusted friend, no less, Hitstart's pre-seed round was finally locked down. Basing a raise off of feeling over thinking is uncommon in the startup community, but as a creative, Theo knew that it was the only way he was willing to build his company. And just as he suspected, it all came together in the end. Some people who send out 70 emails and they send out term sheets and they get all this sort of stuff. I don't work like that. I can't do that. If I don't feel like doing it, I don't do it. But my style is... I am going to be fearless and being present to the opportunity that's in front of me and the people who are around me and trusting that I am surrounded by good people who are strong, have integrity and want what's in the best interests of me and my business is enough for me to succeed. After years of working to stay financially afloat, Theo was finally able to dedicate his time and attention to what he had been interested in from the very beginning, being a creator. And as a creative, Theo's ability to follow his intuition and emotions above all else allowed him to fund a media company in an industry that's looking for exponential returns. In the end, Theo raised $600,000 during Hitstart's pre-seed round. The round was led by K9 Ventures, and the rest was filled out by checks from three angel investors. There's a tendency to be very calculated when building a business, and... I don't have the capacity to do that, and I don't think that's essential. I actually think there's a lot of power in being uncalculated as long as you're disciplined and respectful of the people around you. This podcast is presented by eShares Incorporated, doing business as Carta, Carta Incorporated, and Carta Ventures. The opinions of the guests and host are their own and do not reflect the view of eShares Incorporated doing business as Carta, Carta Incorporated, and Carta Ventures. Listeners should not treat any opinions or comments as investment, financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice. The content of the podcast is not legal, financial, or tax advice and is not meant to recommend or offer the purchase or sale of a security. This podcast is informational only.
How to Raise a Round is a Hit Start Media production. The show is written and co-produced by me, Josh Durst-Wiseman. Hit Start Media founder Theo Miller is creative director. Olivia Laurie is production manager with sound production by Nick Canepa and script production by Mary Kelleher. This podcast is presented by eShares Inc. doing business as Carta Inc., Carta, and Carta Ventures. Thank you.